You are listening to the Fire and Lunch podcast. As a reminder to those listeners wishing to remain unspoiled for the books, run. This is an all-spoiler podcast. All published books and novellas are fair game. Thanks. And who are you, the proud face said that I must eat this pie? This podcast is brought to you by the Slaver's Bay Gift Shop. Buy a bear and get half off on a dwarf. Dwarfs are in season right now and sure to make a great gift for your dragon queen. As a bonus, we'll throw in the original yellow wrapping paper on the bear. Hello, we are Fire and Lunch. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 35, The Gift. I'm Lauren. I'm Katie. And I'm Jess. So we're here on Memorial Day weekend and we're, uh, we're, we're here to talk about the episode from last night. Uh, let's talk about what you think of the, the ratings for the show. So the, I, I think we all kind of get the idea of it. So our prime ratings are Rhaegar for the absolute wonderful bestest, uh, Jared for the medium type episodes, and Simon for the ones that we would really just like to jettison off the show altogether. Um <laughs> <laughs> I love we've gone from bestest to jettison <laughs> off the show. And they're all based on the phrase, which were memorialized in our lovely pies. Uh, all right. I think that's my that's my explanation. Who wants to go first? Yeah. So why don't you give us what your rating is since you've given us the fabulous okay. uh, So my rating went from a very low Jared to just a Simon a la mode. The a la mode being of Jared. Be- <laughs> Because I think, I don't know who it was who said, I think it was Lauren who said this was like a sampler platter. There were some things that were great. Yeah. But for the most part, there were just things that I hated. <laughs> so. No, it was totally a sampler platter for me. It was like, there was good, there was met, and there was please. Oh, never. Yeah, Let exactly. So Simon a la mode for me. And Jess, I'm probably going to agree with both of you ladies. Uh, Simon a la mode, there were some parts of the episode where I was just shaking my head and it's like, why is this here? But there was some really solid stuff in King's Landing, but also Daenerys' storyline, which is weird because I usually am not the biggest fan of those. So I don't know what it says <laughs> about the whole episode that the, the locations I'm like not the biggest fan of are the actual best parts of the episode. That does say a lot, doesn't it? It does. So who do you guys think was the, the episode's MVP? Actually, I'm going to go with Tyrion, only because that was the storyline that I loved the best, I think, in this episode, and I loved him meeting Danny. I mean, that's such a huge, iconic thing, and I they, I think they pulled it off really well, so I'm going to go for Tyrion. Um, I'm kind of torn between Ghost appearing um, and, uh, and Aemon, because Aemon and sad. Um you know, I, I, I think I really loved the whole bring back the, the memory of Egg and uh, and his childhood. And so Eamon, I think, probably more than anything for me. I mean, you think about, you think about Eamon, Yay! you think about Eamon, like all these idiots are like fighting for the throne and all of them are dying. And he's just like on the wall, lived to like die of like natural causes. Was... So he's like the MVP of the Game of Thrones. Okay, but can we be real here? <laughs> yeah, he was, he was like, I don't even want that fucking throne. No, no, the give it to someone The only thing else. that he did in this episode was die. But he didn't die. He had the... He had his. It, it was. It was very reminiscent of the book. It was the yeah, last line. That I he mean, says his in the book. his death it's, scene was wonderful. But I'm saying, like, t- for anything that like moved the plot forward. <laughs> no, I'm not. It doesn't okay. have to be a movie right, a plot forward. It. it just has to be. I mean, for me, it's you know, he he reached out and he was touching the baby and he was trying and he, and he was trying to get Gilly to protect the baby and bring her south. Like 
even in his last moments, he was still thinking of others. And that's, 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 that's who he is. Targeted, yeah. I mean, like you know? the person, I, re- I forget the name of the actor who plays him, but he turned in one of the best performances, I think, of the show. I agree. I'm yeah. going to miss him a lot because I think he, he brought a lot to the, the table. I think he was really fabulous as Eamon. Yeah, the Night's Watch scenes are not going to be the same without him. No, you knew you were getting some real shit when he was on the stage. Um, So we have some stark reminiscing. Um, I, I, I was really, I, 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 as soon as, as soon as uh, John and and uh, and Sam hug goodbye, all I kept thinking was, oh my god, this is just so much like when John and Rob say goodbye, and it was just so sad for me, and I was like. Please let them see each other again because that didn't end well for Rob and John. So no, I mean between the snow and just that pause and them hugging that and like pause oh God, and the Sam's focus on die. the face. I don't think either of them are gonna die. It's it's reminiscent of the um the books, right? When John and Sam say goodbye to each other, Rob thinks about this. Reminds me of when I said goodbye to my brother, never knowing it was for the last time. And I so I think there's like a sadness there, you know. Cause, oh, definitely. So, you know, that's what they were, I, I'm assuming they were, like, alluding to, and they were drawing, like, parallels to, obviously, like, each of the goodbyes. Oh, totally. But even, like, in the books, like, John, in that scene, is reminiscing about his brother. And I like how the show captures that, and I like how a lot of fans, including us, like, were able to pick up on yeah. that. Right, right. And they played the they played the sad Stark song. I know that was, that made me so sad, because it was, ve- it was very much from Goodbye Brother, because I actually pulled the piece up mm-hmm. and was watching I was watching the scene and then watching the other scene and I just got even more sad um so is Sam an honorary is he an honorary Stark is that... <laughs> he's as far more as than I, well he sure as shit ain't a Tarly yeah yeah he sure as hell ain't a Tarly that's yeah. for sure he deserves mm-hmm. better than that shit so our Ned Stark award who do we think gets that this Jorah. week poor Jorah like he had that same stupid look on his face like the last time when when he showed up after the battle and her first response was, where's Dario? Yeah, I mean, like, God love him. He's like, okay, this is going to be exactly like the songs. I'm going to kill everyone for her. And she's going to be so happy that I did that, that she's going to allow me back. It's like, what? Really? He was yeah, even like, he... Khaleesi, please. I'm like, dude, like, she banished you. What do you think was going to happen? Right, like, calm yourself with that Khaleesi shit, bro. You need to earn that back. Especially, who, who was saying it in the notes that it was like, it went from him, like, going to kill all these people. Meanwhile, she was disgusted that these people were killing each other. <laughs> that was me. Was like, you know, she... like, thank you. I think she was happy someone was, I... was killing all of them. Like, she, <laughs> she was glad that there was somebody coming in and schooling all these people. But it was still disgusting. It was still very barbaric. Totally and it was. She, she's not totally. that kind of person. He should know this by now. This is not a fairy tale, dude. <laughs> God, he's so ridiculous. Like, he's just, like, running out, like, killing all these people. And then with that hope in his eyes, and you're like, no, asshole. Just no. He, he doesn't get it. Thank God Tyrion was there. He's going to get himself killed. I know. Tyrion's like, wait, wait, hold up. I'm going to come in and shock everybody, and then no one will do anything. Yep. Until, Until next, next episode. episode. <laughs> so our favorite fan shout-out, I think this was, uh, I think this was, uh, Everybody agreed with this one, which was Egg being mentioned by Aiden. Yeah, his last line, like, Egg, I dreamt that I was old, like, just socked me oh. in the gut. Yeah, but, and it's, it's, it makes me so sad in the book. It makes me so sad here. I, and, and I'm screaming at the TV, no! And my mother's like, what? 
I said because it means he's gone. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, that's such like a, it's so beautifully done because it's so subtle, but it's such a, a commentary on like aging and how we forget. We see our older relatives, we see older people, and we forget that they had the, all of these lives and to them, they're still the same person. And just yeah. these different layers are peeled off as he's dying and as he's making all these comments, you see the person within. And right before he goes, that last layer goes. And you're just like, oh, God, help me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like yeah, how when he was... was touching little Sam and he's like reminded oh, so him of sweet. Egg. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. You realize how long of a life he's lived. Yeah. And how long well, has Egg he's been... He's had all his marbles. How long so. has Egg been uh, dead for, you know? And, like, yeah, he remembered him when he was a baby. Like, Eamon's lived a very uh, a full life. Right, and it was sad even That's seeing sure. him going into that, like, pre-death dementia kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because he's been so with it. And to kind of see that, you know how close he is. And you're just, uh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But at least he died peacefully, you know. Yes, that's the way we all yeah, should right. go. Because no one else in... <laughs> Westeros goes that way. This is why I loved it so much. It was like, <laughs> and they mentioned this on in the inside of the episode. Like, he's the first person on the show who's actually died of, of natural causes of old age. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's because, like, he like decided not to take part in all of this, like, petty politicking for the throne, you know, and choosing to, like, not take the throne and not become king. Exactly. Like, he lived, lived longer than everybody. And he wouldn't have lived that long if he was king. First of all, we know the cold preserved him, which sounds like he's been in a refrigerator <laughs> ever. Um, but you know, King's Landing would not have been kind to him, and and he would have he would not have been the same person. He would definitely have changed so much because his kindness stays because he was away yeah, from I mean, that. King's Landing just destroys you after a while. Yeah. And you can even compare it to Olena, who's an old, also like an older person and like how the High Sparrow calls out like her cynicism. Like really everybody is, you know, has an ulterior motive. Everybody has an agenda behind their words. So even like making that comparison to both of them, like two people who are, you know, a bit older and like their different outlooks on life. Yes, definitely. From, from where they're living. That's so true. Okay, so our favorite one-liner. This was kind of uh, we had a bunch of... Uh, we had two two different responses actually. I was a big fan of John giving Alistair sass and basically saying, um, "As always, thank you for your honesty." And meanwhile, what he was really thinking is, "Fuck right. off!" I really. Don't That's give such a, shit. Like a bureaucratic <laughs> perfect answer. He just looked at him dead eyed and went like, "As always, thank you for your honesty." And you see Alistair going like, "I hate you." <laughs> I mean, they're all about formalities. <laughs> Lord Commander, First Ranger. <laughs> Like, I love that because, like, all John was missing was giving him the hands before he left. Because, <laughs> like, like, whatever. Well, even Alistair, like, the way that he said it, it was very, like, rote and formal. Like, I, it is my duty to tell you that I think this is a really terrible idea. Actual response. And John's response was, fucking whatever. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then John, as oh, always, yeah. thank you for your honesty. <laughs> I fucking hate you, but too, I think bro. I think you do need I think you do need that you need that person because there are people who are like this is a folly this whole mission even in you know a lot of fans think it is you know even yeah. you know amongst us our group think that like the whole mission of hard home is like ridiculously stupid so <laughs> I think it's important to have it in there. Commander has to go. I'm sorry. Like I understand that Tormund is the one who wants him to go, but in reality, the Lord Commander's like fuck you. I'm staying right. here, and I, it's my job to delegate the work. Not that's do the whole the work. point. You are the leader. You are the figurehead. You have other people to do this. 
No, but I also think like Tormund wasn't going to go without John. So yeah, but then we're getting into that. We will talk about this when we when we get up to it. But I mean, there's there's so many diplomatic mistakes that he's making. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So the other favorite one liner was, uh, and I, <laughs> and that's the resident old person of the group. I have to agree. <laughs> It's when Olena and the Sparrow were talking about the different broken body parts that they have. Oh, yeah. So this is this was mine. And, like, they were talking about why you should stand before a lady. You should kneel before the gods. And he's like, like, for me, it's the knees. You? And she's like, the hips. Wow. I just liked it. It was just a little comedy in that scene. I thought it was great. And, and, and. It's it's a good it's a good play off the two of them because I, you miss that between her and, and Tywin. Yeah. Well, it's also I mean those are the th- kind of commentaries on how they live their life. To, you know they they live their life in service. He does it in prayer, so his knees, and she does it in hips because you know she knows what's up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, that's true too. <laughs> um, and then we have our Ollie watch, and this is not looking okay, good. Okay, this is one of the diplomatic mistakes. He is your steward. You buy right. You can take him with you. And you can use this opportunity to have him on your side. So that when you guys come back, he can kind of be out there. Because everyone thinks he's adorable. And they're all going to be trying to take care of him. So he'll at least put the seed of, like, your idea in people's heads? No. John's going to leave him with everybody who hates John. Because that seems like a great idea to do with your steward who makes your breakfast in the morning. I just think it's a matter of he's just really young. I think it's because he's a young, he's a kid. You know, and it's a dangerous mission. You know, Ollie's not exactly like, yeah, he can like shoot an arrow, but he's not exactly a fighter. He's still a child. You know, when John went north with, with Mormont, he was, you know, a teenager or a man almost grown. So I feel like that's probably like the reason why. Because um, he took Ed with him. You know, he did take Ed with I him. I know, but so. the thing is, like, Ollie, he needs to benefit from this. If you think Ollie's going to be somebody that you're going to be able to do diplomatic missions with later, if you want him to kind of succeed you, you need him to be a part of it. And if you're already expecting him to look past the deaths of his own parents to do this mission to begin with, then he's man enough in your own mind to take with you on this mission. Well, see, I think that's why he's not taking him. That's yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. With him because it's kind of disrespectful to Ollie. Like you're expecting me to like rescue these these free folk, you know he doesn't like them so i think from john's perspective it's like putting like salt in the wounds you know what i mean kind of like you we, you want people with you that you know aren't gonna you know make the situation worse all right I than mean, what I it can is see that. i can see but it's just kind of like it was a ba- i think it was a bad move it's I mean, gonna be a bad move no matter what so it's gonna it's gonna go downhill no matter how i mean by this point ollie has that like perpetual like angry face you know it, it's like probably frozen he decided he hated john that that minute where john explains him why he still had to do it even though he said they killed my parents and he goes do you need anything else lord commander and i was like oh god not down not down to the party with the wildlife i mean john recognizes that ollie's not not about that so he's not gonna (laughs) like do you really do you really want ollie bitching the whole way through on this mission yeah at least (laughs) At least Ed's complaints are humorous. I hate this, Lord Commander. Are we there yet? All right, so we're on to our grayscale watch. Yep, still there. How is he not spreading the grayscale everywhere? He's touching Jorah, all of these people. When I I saw you write that in the notes, I was like, oh my God, she's right. And she's straight. He's like, he touches this guy. You've got grayscale. You've got grayscale. You've got... Like, Everybody gets grayscale. Like Everybody gets grayscale. <laughs> oh, 
It's is it skin to skin contact is what it is, right? Yeah, but he's touched like it's not like he has gloves on. He's wrapped his hand, but it's spreading from his hand at that point. But is it but do you have to actually touch the grayscale itself or just the human being? I think you have to touch the 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 person with grayscale. I mean I think it's but this goes into the fundamental thing of what how grayscale is how it goes through your body, how it's transmitted. Like, is it skin to skin with the actual scale part or is it in your bloodstream? So if you touch people, cause you're always secreting oils. Right. So it's really George, George R. R. Martin. You need to give me an outline here. I need a medical <laughs> dissertation on how grayscale is transmitted. Otherwise this is all bullshit. This is all, we don't know how this is going. <laughs> I don't think they know either. Yeah, I don't think they do either. Okay, so let's go on to our, our notable introductions and goodbyes. We've already said goodbye to Aemon Targaryen. Can I just say that I love that they said that he was the blood of the dragon. Yes, it was brilliant. Yes. I love the fact that he just basically said straight out that he is a Targaryen and that it, you know, it wasn't like you know he's just a brother. He actually had something else. So now we're moving on to Skinny Yazan. Is that how you pronounce it? He's the... I didn't even know that's who it was. I was like, all right. <laughs> I didn't even know either. I'm like, who is this person? Well, I, 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 I'm not sure. Jenny's the one who, who figured it out. So I'm assuming, you know, being our historian and all. But she who was... is the guy? This, the slaver that the captured one that, Tyrion? The one that winds up buying them, I thought. Oh, okay. So, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't read those Tyrion chapters in a few I'm years. I'm sure if we're wrong, so. Jenny will tweet about it later. She will correct us. I, I, I expect this. Um, and then we had to say goodbye to the poor North Remembers lady because what the fuck, Ramsey? What the fuck? Give her a freaking name at least. (laughs) Give her her name at least. God. Um, so we had some, we had a new place, which was the fighting pit, but really not really anything exciting. There were no, no new cities or not moving on to anything else. So I guess the fighting pit will be with us for a little while though. Right. And we had the chambers of Salmon and Eamon, which... It was a cool little pair. You see, you have a- and I don't know if it was actually the same place that they put Sam in Eamon's chambers now, but it was like you had Eamon passing away, and that was the end of his life. And then you had Sam and Gilly celebrating life, as it were. Celebrating life. So it was, it was a little little book uh, end. Little, yes. You know. Yep. Yep. So let's move on to our Rhaegar Alamode. Uh, I can't talk. Sorry, my sinus infection. Um, our Rhaegar a la mode moments, which there were actually a couple, the, you know, th- this was the good part of the sampler platter. So let's talk about that. So, um, how about Cersei's smug face? God, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that was I just love that whole scene. Cause it was like very slow, like building up to it. And then her like face, like waiting for the person to walk in the room, Lancel, and then he gets there, and then she's still in denial that like she's fucked over and she's screwed up. And right towards the end, she's like delusional Completely. about the whole situation. I, I've been waiting for this for a long time, so I'm very, very excited to see her downfall. No, and what's interesting is that they have her on the incest, like right here. I think in the in the book. Lancel doesn't do this so you still kind of have this like is it true is it not true no she's nailed like Lancel's still her cousin so the incest is there right right yeah and adultery and everything else so like she she's fucked yeah I'm 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 still hoping that 
I know it's futile to hope anything anymore for this show, but <laughs> I'm still hoping that we'll have the scene where she writes Jamie the letter and um, and Jamie basically is like, see a bitch and tosses it to the side. So, but you know, though, that would be a really horrible thing because no. at least in the in the book, like Jamie does it because he's reclaiming his own. And in the show, you have a lot less of that. Like they're they're not she hasn't been as abusive to him in the show as he, she is in the book. No, but you see their relationship is falling apart at this point. Yeah. I mean, she's treating him, you know, she's calling him Commander. She's not calling him Jamie. She's treating him like crap at this point. So he's done. He's done. So I'm I'm really hoping that that happens. I mean, I think it's a really important moment, but what I think is important, what Dan and Dave thinks are important, never seems to be on the same page. (laughs) So, yeah. So that. So um, let's talk about Jonathan Price's uh, role in this scene. I mean, he's just tremendous. Yeah. I just love, like, all the buildup with it, talking about Baylor Sept, and this was built before, like, Baylor was king, and just stripping away the gold, and like, what will we see when we find when you're, like, we strip away all of that. <laughs> well, okay, I think this was um, Gawker had a thing where somebody who's read the books really goes into every little scene and explains it. And she, they said, like, okay, but King's Landing is the youngest city in Westeros. Uh, this Baylor Seth is only about a hundred years old (laughs) and the people who carved this altar were probably fishermen like Andali fishermen who were just like hey let's make an altar like it's not as crazy mystical as the High Sparrows making you believe like calm down sir (laughs) but isn't this what religious fanatics do exactly and uh, I love the fact that he's throwing out the history there for the people who don't really know the back history of the High uh, of the the High Sparrow and, and the Militant and, and and it's just it's good for the, the non-book readers to get a view of what this religion is really about. And I saw an article today actually about uh, who George R. R. Martin had po- had based this religion on and not shocking at all was Catholicism. So, right. Catholicism <laughs> and seven aspects of the same thing and yeah. he's, he's like I didn't understand it even as a kid. <laughs> specifically says that it's medieval Catholicism which I thought was a really yeah. good distinction because right. you do have that's when the Catholic Church was at its high point in terms of its political power so it was cool that you were seeing like you had some set, some of the Septons were like some of the Popes where they were very political some were just ineffectual <laughs> in both church and in state and then you have people like the High Sparrow who like really brought in that fanaticism and caused a lot of havoc in Europe so it was really cool that he said, this is why I did this. Yeah, no, I, f- I found it really interesting. And, you know, especially I grew up in an atheist household. So religion is always like this weird thing to me. So just reading about it and seeing how there are differences in like the different types of Catholicism. I mean, technically we were, we grew up in in the Catholic area and, you know, our family history is, is you know, based with Catholic beliefs, but I don't know a lot about it. Um and so it's it's interesting to see how it breaks down into so many different ways that way. Yeah, I mean, I think that the study and this, I mean, I, I grew up as a in a Christian household, but my parents were pretty respectful about, like, picking your own beliefs. And they were respectful about, like, learning as much as you can. So for me, I love the history of different religious orders because you learn more about people. It's, it's an experiment in sociology when you're really looking at the history of it. I agree with that. You know, and it just kind of teaches you patterns about what humans are like because it's all kind of repetitive so this especially this part of the church the medieval aspect of the catholic church like really is an interesting time period even though they were 
fucking cruel and terrible to everyone. <laughs> but also with the High Sparrow, what I really loved also with his scene with Elena and also his scene with Cersei is this idea of, like, you can't be protected because of your nobility and this whole idea of, like, everybody is equal before, like, the Seven. Yes. Which is kind of, like, at the root of it is what, like, you know, what Catholicism is about. Like, everybody is, like, on the same level. And, like, you know, you can't sit in your ivory towers and expect to be protected. And the small folk are not going to deal with your bullshit anymore. And that's religion <laughs> you should know? be. It should be that just because you're wealthy doesn't mean God loves you more. Right. And, and, that, and that I love scene... that he brings this point up. Yes. That scene where he goes, you know, what happens when the few are no lo- the many are no longer scared of the few? And I was like democracy <laughs> i was like did, Ole- did olena become an oligarchy by herself right. like the, the revolution i mean that just called back to the even the american revolution where they were like um so we want to sell our own goods without paying taxes to you lot so um get out see i thought it was more french revolution if anything okay. yeah true yeah, you know, and this idea of, like, the small folk, and you have to understand, like, they, they brought them all into these, like, pointless wars. Like, why do the small folk need to import bread and all this stuff from the Tyrells? Well, who who put them in that situation in the first place? Like, all these wars, and this is why they're turning to the High Sparrow, you know? People turn to faith when in times of, like, exactly. of war, exactly. when things are going terrible. And why are the Tyrells, why are they being so... Um... Credit, like, why are they keeping hold on their food so much? Like, we're controlling this. It's like, you are a section of this country that can produce the most grains, the most food, the most everything. That shouldn't be just for you guys to be generous with. That should be for everybody. Well, I don't think she's being that way because she was having these conversations with Tywin, too, where she was like, hey, look, you know, we're the ones supporting this country, so you guys have to be better to us. I know, but that that's kind of what I'm saying is, like, why why do you think that you have the right to cut off food supplies whenever you're not well, she, okay she, with it. Yeah, she's using it as a threat towards right. the, the high sparrow. But she she was basically... But it is her property too, Katie. So the idea is like, you know, they're the ones who have all the food. It's theirs. They can do with it as they wish. You know, we would love for the Tyrells to be, you know, these generous people. But their 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 motives are not entirely like altruistic, Well, no, that's my right? point. Is that that's why you should yeah. like all riot. <laughs> Take the food back from the Tyrells. Come there on. you go. There you go. So, well, they wouldn't. The whole idea is they wouldn't need the food if they freaking didn't have all these wars that destroyed all the crops in the freaking first right. place. So, is that that? And that's why they're turning to the faith, and that's why everybody is like turning to this religious fanatic. Because it's not. You can actually have a backing, like you have an army behind you if you turn to the faith, where you wouldn't have exactly it if you, like, relied on all these high lords, right? So, speaking of food and Tyrells, Cersei brought the venison to Marjorie, who girlfriend what looked a, like she needed some hair product. What a fuck you. Like, oh yeah, the venison's quite good. I ate it last night. And I'm thinking about it, like, that wouldn't be a big deal now because refrigerators, but King's Landing is disgusting. So there's some worms growing disgusting. on Disgusting. Right it's hot. It's Even though winter is coming, it still hasn't gotten that far yet in the TV show, although it's in the Riverlands or the books at this point, but whatever. Um, you know, yeah, it's, there's no refrigeration. It's not like they have ice cubes lying around in the ice box. No, like you suck, Cersei. I hate you. Yeah. I love how afterwards when she's talking to the, uh, the high sparrow, she's like, yeah, it's her, her it's sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> her cell is sufficient for her. <laughs> I died when I, when I heard <laughs> like, that. You're I was such like, you're an such ass. a bitch. 
pitch. And that's why it, it made it all the more sweeter when she got taken down several pegs after that. Because, like, yeah. it was sufficient for your, 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 uh, your daughter-in-law. Now it's sufficient for you, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was wondering if Marjorie heard her screaming. It was just, like, smiling to herself. <laughs> Shout out to Natalie Dormer with can... her, like, crazy eyes, that Anne Boleyn shit. I was like, yes, I remember you. I could totally picture her rocking back and forth in the corner, all dirty and grimy, going, you're getting yours, you're getting yours. <laughs> but I did like how, like, she talked to, when she was talking to Cersei, she was telling her how you try to pretend like you're innocent yes. and concerned and you're caring, but that's all a facade and your 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 son can see through it. This is why he came to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, well, Cersei went for her went to her because she was doing it in the name of Tommen. We all know she was doing it in the name of being a bitchy cow. Um, (laughs) but, but like you feel bad for Tommen. You see Tommen is, is literally hard. No, not literally. He's, he's heartbroken. He just likes having sex. He doesn't love her. No, I I think he's conflicted. No, no. I think he's a 14 year old who doesn't know what love is and, and just assumes that he really does love her. And she's kind to him and she treats him well. And you know, He's he's thinking that he's fortunate he has this wife that's intelligent and beautiful and kind, and now this is being taken away, and he has no control because he's 14. Yeah, I think it's less about, like, his love of Marjorie and more, like, his he's powerless as king, you know, and as, like, is, is he, like, truly a man, that sort of question, like, he can't even, like, get his uh, queen out of jail, he's helpless, and I thought this was actually his best performance on the show, I think so the too. actor playing Tommen. Well, well, he also, like, then don't let your mommy go and talk to people for you either. But he wants to believe his mother is doing it out of the goodness of her heart for her son. He doesn't want to believe that his mother is is, is undermining everything and, and actually the cause of why his wife is there in the first place. And Cersei justifies that, well, the king should not have to talk to, like, this guy, the High Sparrow, who's beneath and him. And she's not wrong in that in that sense. Um, no, she's so, not. But, but but when she says, like, you know, she'll do anything for her children, she's telling him that, and he thinks that she means that she's going to do everything in her power to save them. Meanwhile, she's saying, I'm doing anything for my children, and keeping them as far away from my son as possible is what I'm trying to do. So, um, so she's she's she didn't get very good points with parenting this week. I really, I thought that she was, I thought that was a great scene with her and Tom and you know, because at the end of the day, she has there's a lot of not nice qualities about Cersei, but her love of her children. And I thought that that her her emotions and what she was saying to him were actually genuine. You know, she's lost Joffrey, and she doesn't. That's all she has in the world is her son and her daughter. And I don't blame her for wanting you know her son away from the Tyrells because she's probably suspicious that they had a part to play in, in Joffrey's death. I'm sure and she's not wrong. <laughs> And she's, and she's not wrong. wrong. So I, I, I think like all, all her, her feelings, everything she's saying to Tom and are, are genuine. Uh, but also, I think it lends itself to her, her prophecy with Maggie. That's true too. Since that's the only part of the prophecy that's been shown on TV, um, because we'll never see the parts about the Valonker. Um But I think, I think it's, it's also her fear of this more beautiful and younger queen is going to take over, and now that she's got her imprisoned. Well, she can't do that. She can't harm her son in what Cersei would see as harming. But harming, you know, but but uh, Cersei is going off the deep end. God, I can't wait to watch it go really, really. Yeah, I just, I feel like she's not insane enough on the no, show. No, she's not. 
She's not as far gone as she was in the books. No, in, by in this the book, she had lost her marbles. We, she's only not insane enough because we're not in her head. Like, we're not living in her headspace. But the way Lena Headey plays her is, like, she does have that crazy eyes going. Like, you see that she's desperate and upset and trying to keep control. And you also see she's arrogant with it. Like, she oh, really totally. thinks that she is the true heir to Tywin in this. Yeah. And she's just not. And I every time... I'm excited to see her walk. I'm excited, especially at the end where she's like, my face is going to be the last thing to see before you die. She really believes she has this much power and she doesn't realize she doesn't. Right. So right. I think Lena's playing it well on that. Now, I think you make a very good point about uh, not seeing what's really going on in her head because like, you know, when you read her chapters, every time somebody says something, you see what she's really thinking and it's not what this person is saying and how she's literally like, I mean, she's she's sleeping with pretty much everybody she could sleep with in the book. She's she's even like abused and 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 forced herself on on that woman who would sleep with her on occasion. Like she's in the book, she's really really going way off the deep end. And here you still, due to that one scene that shall not be named, you still have <laughs> that that feeling of sympathy towards her because you you don't have you don't have that complete arrogance and anger that she shows normally well i still have sympathy for her even in the books because she's she's grieving you know she lost her son and then immediately she loses her father you know and so like that's like one two punch to her so of course she's not going to be completely right in the head so i guess from from that perspective i i feel for her but it doesn't excuse like her actions it doesn't excuse her actions but no you do understand but i think uh but I think because you're not seeing how how hateful she can really be as she is in the books, that yeah, you're going to see her as a little more. You could be a little more sympathetic to her cause on the TV show. So, um, so we've talked about her parenting skills. What about Jamie's parenting skills with Myrcella? Non-existent. Ah, <laughs> uh, I was also his, I was his father. I was also his dad. Or I was his uncle. I was also his dad. There you go. And that's pretty I much. Mean- but he has no relationship with these kids by he choice doesn't. and not by, I mean, like Cersei kind of said, don't do it. And he was more than fine with it. So then to go there and be like, okay, we're leaving. When he's talking to Marcella about leaving Dorne, like he's got no currency with this girl. Right. And I, I like the fact that Marcella basically said, said out, you know, I was sent here. I didn't want to go. I'm here. I did what I, what I was supposed to do. I did my duty. And she said those exact words. I did my duty. And, and now you're telling me I have to come home and this is my home. And she's right. She's, she's done what, what was expected of the girl and to tell, to take her away from where she's been comfortable and where she's been treated well up until this point, um, minus the crazy sand snakes, (laughs) snakes. um, you know, she's got, she's got, she's got someone she's engaged to that she actually loves. And how often does that happen in this kind of, uh, this kind of environment? So, right. And even, I mean, like the question of how much you can know whether or not you love somebody at 16. I mean, the thing is, it's somebody that is kind to her at a very base level. Like at the very least, he's okay. And she goes to Westeros and it's in turmoil. It's still recovering from war. There's no guarantee she's going to get that. And in Dorne, she does have a little bit more leeway as a person, even being a woman, than she does in what, like, so like, screw you, Uncle Jamie. Who the hell are you? Yes. I wish he would have explained it, and this is something Ned does with Sansa. Like, he's, you have to come with me. Well, why do I have to come with you? So this sort of treating her like a little girl mentality, too, is frustrating. Yes. You know, explain to her the situation. Because Sansa was right? younger, why does she, have she was to? treated with more respect. Than, but but Ned, was, Ned was a hands-on father. 
Right. And also the only example for a parent that uh, Jamie really had was Tywin. And all Tywin had to say was, let's go. And they did what they were. You're right. You're absolutely right, Katie. You know, so he didn't know what to do. And he's not the kind of person. He's not Tywin. Like Tywin, you could feel like the or else whether or not he said it. Jamie's like, okay, let's go. And you're kind of like, why? <laughs> See, if I was Jamie and Marsala, I'd be like, well, this room is really nice. There's no war here. Can we just stay <laughs> at the water yeah. gardens? Yeah. I can't blame the kid. I can't blame the kid at all. If I was, I would be Jamie. I'd stay, I'd stay too. Yeah. It's prettier than for King's Landing. It smells less. So. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to another Rhaegar mode moment, Stannis. As the description of, in the, uh, for the episode was, Stannis episode. did remain stubborn. <laughs> uh, there was, like, yeah, no kidding. Um, but I like the fact that he didn't put up with Mel and her idea of, you know, getting rid of Shireen. That's his child. He loves his child. No, and Mel is not playing the game quite all that well. She's offering herself to, uh, to other people. She's not actually, like... She's not giving Stannis anything the way that she used to. Do you know what I mean? Like, she used to flaunt herself, flaunt her body, flaunt the prophecy. And there's no success for him right now. He's in a really uncomfortable spot. And all you're going to say to him is, hey, I'm not actually going to give you a son. We're not going to have sex. Let me kill your kid who you've saved for her entire life because everybody else wanted to, like, flung her into nowhere so that you can have a success. Do you think it's going to work? No, because uh, Shireen is his heir, not just his daughter. And for, you know, no, I think at the end of the day, like, you know, you have to win. Stannis is a practical man. He's a war tactician. Like, this whole magic nonsense, you know, that's going to win for him in the end. It's ridiculous. And I hope that he realizes that she's crazy. I have a feeling that what she's going to do, she's going to go to Solis. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Behind the scenes. But here's the thing. Davos is there. Davos is not going to let anything happen to Shireen. Davos will die before he lets anything happen to well, Shireen. See, this is why so. I'm hoping that this is when Rick, when when Rickon comes into play. Where Davos is basically sent out by Stannis to take Shireen to protect her. And that's how he also goes in search of Rickon. That would be great, actually. Because I, I was afraid that Stannis would kind of give in to Mel. Um, because that's what he's done in the past, but I'm hoping you're right. And that it's Solis who does it and that she gets hers and Stannis goes, no, take my kid away. I can't do it. Yeah. Because I think Davos is the only one he would trust as Shireen. Shireen loves Davos. Right. So and Davos loves her. I mean, he, he would protect her in and of himself because he lost his kids and now he has her. Yeah. No, she is like a child to him, like his own child. He, he yeah. does love her. So yeah. But Stannis loves Shireen too, so this idea of like him murdering her right. and burning her alive—you know—that's why that's it's why not going to happen. More of a Solis is going to be like, sure, take my kid. She's not really useful anyway. Yeah. So you mean like do it behind? Try to do it behind Stannis' right, back, yeah. and then. And so you think Mel's dying this season? Like Stannis is going to kill her? No, I think I, she I think can't Solis die will yet. She has a reason for being. <laughs> yeah, I think she I can... think Solis will die before Shireen uh, before. Um, melisandre does no she she can die after like episode one of next season as long as what i think needs to happen happens i don't care bye mel <laughs> i don't think she's gonna be the one to revive him no! but that's just me okay it's gonna be brand but we can move, we'll on, move, move on, on we'll there. move on speculation later um <laughs> so um we, we we did talk about danny a little bit um 
But I, I was convinced that she was going to recognize Jorah by his shirt because he doesn't wear anything else. But I think there was more to the scene than his shirt. So why don't we talk about that a little? <laughs> well, I, I thought she did. There was a moment right when he came out when she kind of went, wait, what? And you could see it on her face. And I think she was recognizing the way he carried himself. Yes, I think so. You know, and the way that he fought. She did, like, live with him for years. And Ian Glenn kind of holds Jorah a very specific way. He's a great actor. I love him. Um, but then she was so focused on the fact that he was killing all these people that she thought were, like, she was detested by. <laughs> was she detested? She detested. I can't speak in I don't think Jorah was killing them, though. I think he was just, like, breaking limbs. Oh, God. That's he so cut much a guy's face in half. <laughs> oh, I didn't miss that part. <laughs> Maybe turn my head away for a second. But the thing about Danny and Jorah's relationship that I I love so much is that, like, she she does love him and she does want him there. But as a queen, she can't have, you know, people going against her wishes or rebelling his guy basically like try to kill her she was very you know torn in that scene. betrayed her she that... was so sad like she was angry like that one she... moment when she saw who it was she was angry she was yearning she was like disappointed you know it was all those things like all she wants is to have him back because she's missing that westeros especially now that that selmy's gone yeah and like now she can't it's ruined it's basically Danny, the person, you know, the girl wants Jura there as her friend. But then there's Danny, the queen, who she has to, like, you know, he betrayed her. She, he can't be here. And that's a dilemma she has inside of her in regards to Jura and her relationship with him. In the preview, um, there's a comment where she goes, like, I have to keep my promises. And she promised that she would kill him. So now he shows up and she's like, why did you show up? I didn't want to have to execute yeah. you. Now I have to. But what to be fair, he is he is a slave at this point. So she she it's not like she, he has a choice on where he was going in the first place. So she can't say, well, why'd you show up here when he kind of has somebody who's controlling him? But he was on his way to her. Yeah, that right. But in this specific instance, it wasn't that, you know, you know, he decided to show up. Yeah, he really meant to show up, but he was still under a slaver at this point. So, yeah, There's an argument that he actually, he and Tyrion got themselves bought by this particular slaver. Oh, well, I'm sure they did. I'm sure you know, they to did. to see her. Like they, but they he has the argument to could, her. Even as a slave, to get themselves in front of her. Right, but he has the argument to her, this was not my choice. I was captured and, and sold as slave. And so, she knows him enough to be like, yeah, I'm sure you were. Well, at this point, she doesn't trust anything that comes out of him. <laughs> so that's that. And she doesn't know Tyrion from a hole in the wall. So also the fact that he's a Lannister, she's going to have her guard up anyway. Yeah. So, um, and speaking of Danny, and uh, she is one of the actual two consensual sex scenes in the episode. So yay. Thank you. Not all rape. That was very nice. I do like the scene because it's kind of reminiscent of the book where, you know, Dario's like, you know, kill them all. And she's like, I'm not a butcher queen. And that's, again, a conflict she has inside of her. So I'm really digging her stuff this season. Um, I'm still mad about her, but she's not annoying me. So I guess, yay. Um. And (laughs) I think, uh, Lauren, was it you that said this was the most consensual sex we've seen in an episode all season? Uh, Probably. Oh, (laughs) 
all, oh, that, that we've seen all, all five seasons. Season. And then I just went off. I went, hold on. And I have this whole section in the doc. And I think, and I think your list was right, actually, of yeah. all the, and there's not many of them. Yeah, I counted out the consensual sex, consensual sex scenes in every season, and we average out about three or four per season. We had two in this episode, which means that we are halfway through all of the consensual sex that we're going to get season five in one episode. But yeah, when you think about it too, like with all the nudity that's on the show, there's not a lot of actual sex on the show. Well, there is, but it's a lot of brothels. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like, you know, between actual characters that matter. That's because all the characters who have consensual sex are not on the show, like Asha and Ariang. Well, how sad is that? Like for a show that is known for their nudity and their sex and their raciness, they only have an average of three or four consensual sex scenes in, in a year. Well, let's narrow it down to 10, to 10 episodes because a year is a lot longer. Okay. So like, okay. So 10 episodes. So Sansa finds out that John is the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, and this is this was a great scene because to me it didn't look like she was surprised, like, oh my god, I didn't know this. It's more like, look, I have something now that I have something I can work towards. I have some I have I have some I have something that might help me later on. Right. Like put this in my pocket for later. Right. So I, I thought that was great. I think she played the scene really well. And um, I think her scenes actually with Theon earlier were, were really good too. Um, I, I think she's really spot on this season. I'm, I'm really impressed by Sophie. I'm proud of her. I feel like she's acting on the same playing fields as everybody else in the cast now, which she was always great, but she was also a kid. Yeah. So to see her kind of like matching wits with everybody is great. But I was also, during this particular scene, I was like, do not sass him. Do not talk to Ramsay the way you would try to talk to Joffrey, because he will take See, I disagreed with um, you guys on that point. I... No, no, I actually agreed with, when you, when, with this, what you're about to say. I actually agree with you on this. Yeah, so basically, oh, like, what does she have to lose by this point? She's already being abused by him. He can't maim her, her or, like, paralyze her because he needs her. So at this point, she's, like, she's being abused by him every single night. Like, what else does she have? And also, she knows this is, like, a, a thing that makes Ramsay tick. So this is her way of punching him, not in a physical way, but, like, mentally fucking with him. She can't get him. If she can't beat him up physically, well, she can mess with him mentally, you know, and I'm happy. I don't want her to just be there, like, just taking shit from him all the time. I think this is her way of, she knows this is, like, a, a thing that irks him, so she's going to freaking, like, drive it home. Because it's what is she, else she has to fight with anyway. I agree. I agree. And she's, uh, and she's really good because she digs in on the things that he really can't mm-hmm. argue that much against. And it makes him think because now he's wondering about this baby and he's wondering about this baby. And it's like, Yeah. You know, you're just a bastard, and it was signed by a king who's a bastard. Like, how much is this really worth? So, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think that was a really, I think that was really well done. I just get very scared for her. Well, of course you do, because she's freaking married to Ramsay Bolton, and as we saw with the bruises on her freaking arms, like she's getting abused anyway by him. So, what does she have to lose? You know. And he didn't seem, right. and he didn't seem like really in his way of like dealing with as well. Like, here's my punishment to you. Like, this woman was flayed. That's punishment enough for her. And I yeah. like that. That it wasn't like him, like physically, you know, abusing her again. It was more so. Yeah, you could say this to me, but look what I did to this woman. Right. And then I think you can see in her head that it's it's clicking. What more she needs? Well, to she do. grabbed that weapon. Right. Well, she grabbed the weapon oh, yeah, before true. that. So, but like, she's already she's already thinking ahead. She's uh, and. And I, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, I don't know if it's going to go this way, but I, and, well, it probably won't. 
But I'm hoping this is not just about her salvation and her saving herself. I'm hoping this is about her saving Theon too, because I don't think Theon's going to come back on his own. I think she needs to bring him back. Look, I don't think Theon's a fabulous per person and I think he eventually needs to die, but I think he needs that redemption. And I, and I, and if they can turn it around that she's the savior and not being saved by a man, I'm totally for this. And that's what I'm really hoping for in the end. Did we talk about, we talk about John and finding out about Winterfell? Him as the Lord um, Commander? Yeah, a little bit. We found, you know, just the fact that he, he's in her back pocket now. Like now right. she knows the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch is someone who is absolutely on her side. Yeah, so I feel like that's going to, she, and you saw her, her head kind of like, she did like a face thing so that the wheels were turning in her head. So she's obviously like thinking like two steps ahead now. Okay, well, if he's at the wall, well, there's my out. And Stannis is marching on Winterfell, so. Right. So since we're still on Sansa, let's go into the nerd rage portion and let's talk about um, about what's going on in this storyline and how Brienne is basically just sitting off in the distance waiting and waiting and waiting, which I find really frustrating because she's a warrior and sitting and waiting is not her thing. No, she should be sending scouts out. She should be trying to figure it out on her own. She could be sending pot out. Right. Like, this sucks. This sucks. Ugh. Yeah, and, and if she was able to get a message from that man to that poor woman, there's got to be somebody else there. There's got to be more out there who, who know what's going on. And, and the fact that none of this news is getting back to her is really, like, the fact that she's locked in her room. Like, the people, the people maids, of Winterfell must know that. are people who are, like, servants there who are noticing how badly she's being beaten? That how she's not coming down to, to dinner? Yeah. You know, how she's locked in her room all day long. And so, like, it's weird that, that Brienne is not getting any kind of any kind of notice of what's going on. And she's just staring off into space, staring at that tower, waiting for something Well, what could happen is maybe that old that old woman who was, was played by Ramsay, that was, like, her her connection and who would give her, like, you know, tidbits and what Sansa's up to. And since she maybe she doesn't get one in a week and then she gets worried. She's like, well, you know what? Like, maybe the old woman even had a situation, if you don't hear from me in, like, X amount of time, come anyway. It could be one of those just situations. Like that's the case. You know, you're waiting for this message that's from cool. this woman, and obviously she's not coming. Well, something's not right then, because she said she was going to, you know, give me a signal or a sign or give me, like, I don't know, a raven. And I didn't get anything from this woman, so something's up. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that they're trying to show how badly things are getting before they start turning it to better. Like, you don't want the transition to be too quick for either Sansa or Theon, but having that happen and then having this episode where nothing gets better just made the whole thing seem awful. And it didn't make me feel any better about the direction they're taking this in. Well, I, I mean, I feel like that even though she was on the bed and she was crying, once she got out there, she was scoping out the area. She picked up things that she thought would be weapons. Like, so yeah, she's making it seem... We don't know. We don't know what she's thinking. She might have been on the bed crying, knowing that somebody walked in the room and trying to put on a show that this is, oh, I'm I'm weak. And, and meanwhile, what she's doing is plotting. So we don't know what's really going on in Sansa's head. Did I lose everybody? No, no, no. I'm here. I'm, I'm just taking in. I'm taking in what you're saying, you know, because I'm thinking like if we were in her head, if it was the books, we'd understand it more. Understand. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that she's like sitting there meekly waiting to be saved. Like Theon, help me out, you know, situation. So like, obviously she's trying, like her first plan failed. So now she's going to try something else. I don't think yes. like it's all hopeless from here on out. Like there was progression, right? She had a, she had a situation. She had something, you know, she tried. 
and it failed. Now she's going to try something else. Go back to the drawing board. Let's think of something else. And now she has, you know, the fact that John's a lower commander in her pocket. Well, let's go from there. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think I think that I'm I'm feeling like the storyline is at least going the way I want it to, where she's not just falling into the victim status. She's actually taking control of her situation as best she can. Um, what if she ends up being and I and I love this character and I'm terrible with names, but the character who escapes from her uncle, uh, Alice Carstark. What now? Car- Alice Carstark. Car- yeah, Alice what if Carstark. She ends up being Alice Carstark. I think she's part of that. Like the and the. The whole point of the girl and the dying horse that goes to like the wall, right? And John thinks it's his sister. I think that can happen right. too. Like yeah. maybe a fusion of like Jane and Alice Carstark. I would yeah, totally I be down with that. She escapes. I would totally be down with that. But of she's gonna run into. I'm assuming she's gonna run into Stannis. I hope so. So wait, do you think Stannis will pick up the the scene where they, where he like he um, he saves basically Theon and and Asha? Jane. And Jane oh, yeah. and Asha, um, they all wind up together. Do we think that's a possibility that, that that story might go that way, where she goes to Stannis? Yep, because in the books, I, I, think, I don't know if it was the Theon preview chapter, Stannis tells, I think it's Justin Macy, I could be wrong, to go take Jane to her brother at the wall. Possibly. So maybe, or we may not get the Alice slash Sansa scene with John until after he was revived. Yeah, I have a feeling like I wouldn't be like it's crazy, but we me we may we may get Sansa at the wall by the end of the season. We don't know. Right. All right. Well, she may be at the wall, but John may be dead. Yeah. Ah, he's not dead. He's not. Yeah. Dead. I, <laughs> I wouldn't be. Sur- I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if Sansa's like at the wall either at the end of this season or the beginning of next season if they're playing the Jane, you know, role. The she, Jane that's her- Alice thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would be cool. I would forgive them. A little bit. <laughs> if she ends up being an Alice figure and not just a Jane figure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but totally. Ramsey has to die, though. Ramsey has to die. But the thing is, is that then she would be positioned as the head of Winterfell. Yeah. And she would be taking a wildling for her husband. So you would have Sansa as the wardeness of the North. I was a little upset by the rape being used as a plot device. So we can so we can bring back direwolves. Yeah, I, I'm a little annoyed of using uh, rape as a plot device to show us direwolves again. Like we understand that that ghost has to come make a make an appearance at some point, but uh, do we need really need to have to drag poor Gillian Gillian to this? I guess. How about you have Sam losing his virginity as a reward right. for preventing right. her from getting raped? That's which is very Instead disturbing. It, oh, that drives me crazy. Like. Instead of it being a thing where it's like somebody that they both loved, him and Gilly both loved, just died. So now you're already together. Like you're doing this affirmation of life and that's when that happens. That's really sensitive to how people actually are. Like that's a really great scene. Instead, you make her almost be raped by people in the Night's Watch in order to show that Sam does not have friends there. So no one respects his boundaries. So they go after Gilly and then she says, oh, hey, I almost got raped. Don't worry about it. Don't get yourself hurt. That's time that happens to me. I'll just figure it out. And then here, let me have sex with you because you're bleeding right now. Yeah, it was just super awkward. And especially with a character like Gilly, who has been raped repeatedly by her father. And to have like that be like, go from there to having like consensual sex. I don't, it really tainted the scene for me. And it really upset me because they just, it, it just felt weird. Like, she's going to, like, have sex with this guy after, like, she was almost threatened with rape. This woman who has been raped in the past by her own father 
like you she'd be like traumatized with the whole situation if anything it'd be yes. triggering for her you know what I mean? And I feel like Sam should have been, what I would have liked is Sam is saying, you know what, you've just been through like a traumatic experience. Let's not do this right now because you're not thinking straight. Right. You know what I mean? I just felt like it was the wrong time. There are many times they could have done it on the show and I felt like that being the like trigger for them like having this like beautiful moment just felt off. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm not at all into this because of the scene that preceded it. Right, and really, like the, even the rape, like, the attempt was really about Sam. Because it goes, you have um, Alistair saying to Sam, you're losing all your friends, and then you see these guys across the fire, across Eamon's body, and then the next time you see them, they're threatening Gilly and saying, oh, yeah, like, making disparaging comments about right. Sam while they're threatening her with rape. So you have this happening again because of the uh, man. Yeah, and if you needed anything, you could have had Sam just being yes. beaten up. By these guys, because here, John's not here to protect you. He's like got, he doesn't have Eamon anymore. You didn't need. You didn't need even have Gilly in that situation. If they wanted to have a situation where, like, you know, Gilly like heals and mends Sam's wounds, whatever. You could even had that. I just felt like it was. They needed. They've been. You know, needed to have Sam have like a yeah. hero moment on the show. You know, yeah, this like, season, and or that like was Ghost it. Ghost went to got get him after he got beat up. Went to go get her after he got beat up and brought her to him. Like something they, you could have introduced ghosts without having to. Have I don't even him. know. I just you know it's upsetting me that Ghost is even there with Sam. Yeah, because why is he not with John? Yeah, on a, on an actual like dangerous mission where he can be freaking useful. He could scout for them. He could smell out White Walkers. Like he's a freaking like he's like John's best weapon that he has with him. Like, why wouldn't you bring your wolf with right. you on this dangerous mission? And the whole idea of the skin changer, like, John's a warg, like, that right. he can bring that with him. Right. He gives John street cred. Mm -hmm. Ghost gives John street cred with the wildlings. I totally get that, and I agree there. with it. Um, but I also, in this in this case, because, especially because Alistair had just said to, to uh, Sam that he is losing all his friends, I'm kind of glad he's there because he's all that, that Sam has, really, as protection. But he's not. But I get what you're saying. But like, Ghost is no, not he's like not. Sam's he's not, protector. But like, because, he's you know, they fuck with the stories anyway. So you might as well fuck with it in a good I way. I know, for Sam, but at least. well, no. But Sam needs to be his own man. Person. Exactly. If if they had taken Ghost out of it, put Ghost with John, had Sam there. Exactly what Jess said. Like you have Sam getting beaten up by these guys. No rape necessary. And then Gilly comes and takes care of him, and then they have sex there. The whole scene could have gone almost identically to how it right. happened without right. the well, rape. Let's hope we can go the rest of the season sans rape slash rape attempts. I don't have a lot of hope. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of naked bodies. <laughs> oh, no, no. This is like my, my nemesis. I, am, I hate look, this. I'm really heartbroken in the direction that we've gone with the sand snakes i think they're great characters in the book i think they're very intelligent i think they're they're awesome individuals i think they're interesting characters and i hate this hive mind mentality that they've created on the show um and i don't i i, I didn't find this scene in any way interesting uh, but somebody had mentioned on watchers on the wall uh and i can i can almost get behind this idea if this is the case that the reason that Tyene, <clears throat> sorry, the reason that Tyene had stripped was because it got uh, bronze heart racing, and by doing that, it sped up the poison, and that's why he started to have the poison attack in front of her. Then why did she give well, him the antidote? Then shit out of him. I mean, like, 
I, I just, I can kind, like I said, I can kind of get behind this idea. I just think that this was really unnecessary. Okay, when you have to do mental gymnastics and come up with some kind of a reason as to why someone is taking off her top, don't have her you're, take you're off her top. You're, you're not wrong. You're totally wrong. No, it definitely wrong. felt like this. This definitely <laughs> felt like filling the boob quota, like gratuitous, you know. And I feel like this season they've been pretty good as far as like using nudity. And I feel like this scene was incredibly gratuitous for the sake of gratuity. And the thing is, Taheem, isn't she the sand snake who is more demure and more dangerous with it? Where she's not out there and the whole reach she uses these poisons as a way to kind of like kill without having to be showy about it. She felt the need to strip in a, in, in a way that was shot very much like a porn film. <laughs> you know, like all the, the way that they were lighting her, the way everything, that was definitely for the audience's benefit. And it did nothing. It was a useless scene. And this is what the, the feminist part of Westeros has been reduced to yeah the That's scene was for male titillation place yeah yes and granted the woman had fabulous breasts i'm not going to take that away from her she had great breasts <laughs> but why did it ne- we didn't need to so and that. also it doesn't make sense even from a freaking like storyline standpoint the sand snakes have been about vengeance against the lannisters this whole freaking season well out of the blue oh i'm gonna save you because you have a nice singing voice like i don't like <laughs> i don't no, understand like, it even to add that element of romance, like they're attracted to each other. Like, honestly, who cares? It has not, What are you even doing with the Martell storyline? What are you doing? I'd rather have had a scene with like Doran Martell, like, you know, something right. interesting or, or Jamie and Doran, like some, or another scene with Marsala and Jamie, like. Or Alaria, like, ugh. Yeah. It felt, yeah, this definitely felt like filler. Better. Like we have to like pad this episode. So let's just have this like random scene that adds to nothing. I'm assuming it's going to add Pretty to much. nothing. No, and honestly, so I've been watching Jerome Flynn on Ripper Street as well. I love him on that. And he's such a great actor. So to reduce him to the clown all the time and just be like, oh, we have a scene with you where you're either going to be talking to another male character or you're going to be staring at some titties. You know, that that sucks too. Well, at least he's not dead. (laughs) That's that's the only thing I got out of this scene was at least he didn't kill him off. Okay, well... Let's move on to things that got left out, and uh, Megan had brought up that uh, that uh, Thorn, who's uh, the first ranger, is still against John's plan, which is counter to what the rangers are like in the book, and that she's hoping that he's not going to be leading to him to being a stabber, but he's probably. I would really hate if Thorn was one of the people who betrays John, just because it'd be more interesting if it like was somebody closer to him. It's too obvious, yeah. like, too on the nose. Oh, of course, like, Thorne would stab him. And just given, like, Thorne, yeah, Thorne doesn't like John, but he respects him. So he may not agree with him all the time, but I think there's, like, mutual respect between respect between the two uh, gentlemen that he wouldn't be one of the betrayers because John is useful to the Watch. And John made him first ranger. He didn't hold his, his animosity against him. He, he, he recognized Alistair for his skills and thinks he deserved to, that kind of promotion. Yeah. And you would hope that he would recognize that this is, you know, that this is what he was given and not to take advantage of that. Well, I think it's going to be Thorn, Ollie, and Ed. I don't think it's going to be Thorn. Ed and Ed and and Ollie, yes. I don't think, I think, I think if anything, Thorn is probably going to stop it. And that's going to be like the big surprise. Um, I I worry that it's going to be Thorn, but I, I, I would hope. I would hope that. Like, what's not. his motivation um, for? And I don't want it to be Ed either. I mean, Ed. Well, maybe it's totally gonna be Ed. 
Yeah, we'll see how Ed reacts because Ed's with John right now, so we'll see how he reacts to all the things John's doing in, in Hard Home. Um, I wrote some things that were left out of the book. And it, yeah, so in the books, you know, in the show, they, Stannis mentions to Davos, or Davos mentions to Stannis, I forget which one's which, to the Storm Crows, these mercenaries left Stannis and his troops. So, like, they lost, like, a lot of their soldiers as we were marching to Winterfell. Now, in the books, we... Yeah, Davos said it to Stannis. Yeah, in the books, we know that one of the things John does for Stannis is, I have men for you. Because one of the things Stannis says, I want to march on the Dreadfort, but I don't have the men. Well, well, John tells him, I know where you can get men in the mountain clans in the north. They're fiercely loyal to House Stark. They will fight for you and fight with you to, like, help, you know, redeem the north and, like, save the north from the Boltons. All you got to do is, like, you know, play the political game with them. And so, like, the fact that they're all missing was really upsetting for me because this would be, like, a, you know, that's, like, thousands and thousands of troops that Stannis would have to march with him. Not only troops, right. but troops who know the territory. Can handle the weather. Who can survive in the winter time, who would be useful, who can scout the area, who are have an awareness of the terrain. And I just feel like... That's something that I don't think Stannis is an idiot, and I feel like they're portraying Stannis as like kind of like a a shitty military tactician, which he's not. Though I do, though I do appreciate them making sure that he is marching towards Winterfell because that's something John tells them in the books too, or thinks to himself. He's like, if Stannis is going to march on Winterfell, he needs to do it now or just forget about it. So I do agree with Stannis that he has to march now because he is right in that regard, and the wall can't you know, support Stannis and his troops and he's for right. the winter. They don't know how long the winter's gonna last. He needs to go south and, and staying up at the wall is not gonna is not gonna be the best thing for him. No. I mean I guess it's yeah it's I guess it's mi- it's not minor. I, I just don't feel think it's like minor at all. it's that was a big, big part of the books and like Stannis's war campaign going south was like getting these troops. I mean, they're still in the gift. I mean, I saw the mountains in the background of the, the Stannis scene, so they may show yeah, but up. but they don't exist in the show yet. That's the thing. We don't... They may. They may pop up to, like, help them out. We don't know. I just feel like they need to be there, and it's something I miss, like, John, like, helping Stannis out, and, like, politicking behind the scenes, even though he knows he's not supposed to be doing it, how it's, like, a... It goes against, like, the vows of not taking part in the conflicts of the realm. I get it, but it's also they're trying to streamline now. They're trying to cut back on characters. So as much as that adds a really beautiful level of, like, layers, you can't because you have everything else you need to do. Right. It just it just for the battle and the whole point when like even when Ramsey mentions like we northerners you know know the terrain we're built for this yeah. kind of you know weather it would be nice to have northerners on Stannis' well, side exactly. back what happen too. is if like the Mormonts I would love to see the houses start flocking to him because they've at least been you know who the Mormonts are you know what I mean like to put them in yeah well they well, they, well, they are there in the books he he saves Deepwood Mont right, and the Mormonts ride with him and in the show you know who the Mormont family is I know. because of Jorah so to have the women show up especially since you've already name checked them with the little girl to have especially them the show letter. up would be brilliant because then it's like already in the universe of the show and it does bring the northerners in the way that the mountain men would have but instead of it creating them now you're taking things that already exist that's true that's, that's true. true and then it's all they can do just show up that's explanation okay i'm fine but like the fact that like stannis is marching to save winterfell and he has 
no northern houses with him yeah, is really happen. upsetting. I just don't think it'll happen the way that it does in the book. I think you're just going to have people kind of come to him because they start realizing what is happening to Sansa. I hope that's the case. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I just feel like it's just like, it's just House Bolton and where are the rest of the northern houses in, in, in all of this? Members, they're coming. They're not helping. They keep mentioning that, but I want to well, see them. I want to like, see, like, the Mandrelees, the Mormons, the Glovers. Seven. seven. Episode seven. seven. Jesus H. Christ, <laughs> what are you guys waiting for? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like somebody should have yeah. popped up by now, you know, and not just, like, one old lady. I feel like one of the northern houses or one of the mountain clans of the north should have popped up already to, like, help Stannis. And I feel like they're just MIA for whatever reason. TikTok, for whatever reason. David and Dan. TikTok. There They're going to go. rush everything in the last three episodes because they had to have filled the boob quota this episode. There you go. So, Katie, I'm going to turn to you for this part because uh, I know you're excited about this. What do you think this means for the future about Danny and Tyrion? Oh, my God. I have no idea. And it's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I don't know. Now we're getting into the part that I really wanted to read about in the upcoming book, which we're not getting that for another couple of years. So, hey. <laughs> When, um, when winter finally comes and goes, then maybe the winds of winter will show up. Right. I mean, I really, um, Danny and Tyrion are going to be an interesting dynamic because Tyrion is very, he knows Westeros. He knows Westeros through politics. He knows that. And he's also learned how to rule from the best, from his father. So to have him be part of Tyrion's like little council is much better than anybody else because he knows when to be benevolent and he knows when to go but from your heart and he knows when to just be like hardcore about it he's done it okay. he can actually teach her how to be an effective an effective ruler um and danny she has no idea about where his loyalties lie who these people are she sees him as part of the usurpers camp and this right. is going to be her way of learning you know what maybe everything i know about westeros is wrong and, and maybe she was I need learning to that from selmy so that makes sense yeah and she's gonna she, she's gonna learn now where who she really needs to go to, and that's gonna open her up to John. That's gonna open her up to all these other families who will be willing to help her if she really takes them seriously. Okay, okay, I could see this. I just don't want her on the throne in the end, but I can see this. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, one thing I did want to mention that really had nothing to do with anything was, uh, what accents are we on with Littlefinger, by the way? Is this like the fifth? Or pirate. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even think that was pirate at this point. I think that was like congestion. I have no idea what that was. Like, <laughs> I, I think just he lost gave track up. of how many. Yeah, he really has. I don't even know anymore. I don't know. Okay, so um, let's talk about what's coming up. Okay, uh, so something we didn't mention yet. Uh, oh, or did, I don't know. The the handsome young man right you're right, who, you're right who is this who is this handsome young man well i thought it was lancel because that was uh you know before lancel showed up i think it, it's either i was saying either john or maybe they'll have fagon on the show i don't think it's gonna be fagon and I, I don't know a lot of people are saying gendry and i'm like what no but cersei knows about gendry doesn't she nope not um, him specifically oh, not well, no, she knew that there was, she knew there was somebody they were trying to get him, remember, because they were chasing him and that's why he left with Yorin and, and Arya. Uh, but then, you know, obviously we've lost track of him because Joe Dempsey is still rowing. So, um, 
you know, we don't know where we don't know where Gendry is. And so I, I can't imagine that the High Sparrow was able to track him down in moments. It's not like he had little fingers TARDIS. So... See, the reason why I said John was because he mentioned I have a bit of information that really nobody knows about. And they kept mentioning like little hints of R plus L equals J. Yeah, I mean, that that would make more sense. That would make more sense to me. Though I, know, uh, I don't know how Tyrion, not Tyrion, uh, Littlefinger would know that information, but he knows a lot of things, except that Ramsey's storyteller. Except Ramsey's crazy. That's the thing he yeah, doesn't know. That's all I think he's missing. Even um, my mother was like, you really think that Littlefinger didn't know about Ramsey? Even my mom was like, you know what? Bullshit. I hate this guy. <laughs> so where they put the flayed bodies when like, Littlefinger and Sansa showed up, hide them, hide them. Yeah, like, what do they do? They have like, a spare closet for them? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Like, put them in the back room. Just keep them back there for now. We'll put them out later. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't... I, I, I thought he was Lancel. I mean, we'll, I guess we'll see. I just, I just don't understand how this would tie into Cersei and how she would be arrested for, for this. Because he is as, as eligible for the throne of Westeros as Tommen is. More okay, so. but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean she'd be jailed for that. No, no, no. But that she, he would be someone to replace Tommen with. Well, considering Tommen is not really effectual. Well, not even that. He's actually not supposed to be king since he's not Bar- Robert Baratheon's son. Right, but Gendry is. Yes, yes. But in the end, it's going to be Rickon and Shireen on the throne, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Jenny That's why Davos some... needs to go and get them. Yeah. Jenny had a couple of random thoughts. Um, well, there were questions. There were questions. Uh, so uh, she wants to know what, if, if the Golden Company is ever going to show their face because they were mentioned like a zillion times last season and nothing this season and it hasn't really amounted to anything. Um, so they're the bail on Greyjoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he got mentioned a couple of times. He did today. I was like, finally, after yeah, so like, long. Yeah, Balon shout out. He's still alive. Should be dead, but whatever. Um, that's okay. We're killing off people who were still alive in the next book. Yeah, so I guess uh, we, we don't know what's going to happen with the Golden Company, and it's probably never going to come back. It's probably going to be one of those loose ends that just we will always wonder about. Yep. Well, they probably mentioned them last season thinking they were going to do the storyline, and they're, they're like, this is too convoluted and complicated. Let's just scrap it entirely. Probably. Yeah, I mean, well, that does happen a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, but it just makes no sense. What was the point of bringing it up? But whatever. Anyway, okay, so let's talk about the, the upcoming events and what we're looking forward to. Get your razors ready, everybody. Yes, that is for sure. I kept looking I'm at a... the wig like, you ready, girl? You ready? I'm s- yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thinking they're just going to give her a very short hair wig, but whatever. Um, I think it's, I, I, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting seeing Lena do this. And, uh, I'm really excited for her because I think it's a, it's, it's a great scene. And she's fantastic. I really do. She is. Lena. She is. Um, so we're, it's, I, I would love to see, and I believe Jenny feels this way as well about the angry Septa coming in every hour and yelling at her. To, to to confess and and not and not wanting to confess obviously so that that's gonna be interesting so we'll see um what else are you guys int- uh, excited about hard home. home with brigitte i'm go. so excited to see her on the show there you i am go. too because she was our fan cast for val so the for fact the, that so she ended up playing a wildling a uh, not val 
yeah, the fact that she's Val, playing not Val. Yeah, we'll but the fact that she's Val. playing like a wildling is, you know, pretty cool. Because that doesn't usually happen. Your fan cast. I know Alexander That's... Siddig was my fan cast for Doran, and now he's in it, and I'm so disappointed. <laughs> Oh, well, I think she's going to be fault. fine. Yeah. I think she's going to be, because she's going to be a woman in a position of power. So it's going to be very cool. Like, women are leaders beyond the wall. Don't get your hopes up. You know, she's, a, she's a chief, wasn't she a chieftainess? Was her yes. description? And you know what? I think it's the Brigade who's doing the hard home episode. Yes. So that That's is going be to be scary. either amazing or really depressing. Hold on to your hats, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> This week, it's the Brooklyn cast. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, I think Jenny is looking forward to Kevin hopefully coming back. Although, that might not be a happy end if, Var- if Varys Kevin, and his little birds have something to say about it. Stay where you are, Kevin. Stay, stay where you are. Stay in Rock. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. Because your son is already dead to you. Just go. Go. So, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and I think that's it. I think we're coming to a close at this point. I think we've gone off the deep end and covered everything we could possibly cover. Sounds good so, to me. Are we ready for our toast to our, yes, our lovely is, Lord Commander? It is time to toast to our Lord Commander, Jon Snow. So here's to Jon Snow. To, to Jon Lord Snow. Com- Guys, it's Lord Commander Jon Snow. To, so Lord, to, Commander to, to Jon Lord Commander Jon Snow. Sorry, I'm not a member of the brigade, and we haven't tossed a Katie out this week. So. <laughs> hey, you made it through an episode. Good job. All right, to Lord Commander Jon Snow. To Lord, to Lord Commander, Commander Jon Snow. Snow. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye everyone. And so he broke that sacred oath, that Lord of the Crossing, and now the Christ's covered his skin, and they're so good to eat. Yes, now the pie, Christ's covered his skin, revenge it tastes so sweet. Right. Everybody in my neighbor, shut up! <laughs> you can tell this is a fucking podcast for everybody from Brooklyn. Shut up! Joey, There's going to be a lot of yelling Joey, and cursing. what you doing tonight, Joey? Oh, hey. hey. Get away from that fridge, kid. Hey, I'm hanging out on the avenue, you? <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo, Johnny, I calm gotta down go there. I got to go home and get myself a pizza. <laughs> God.